Welcome to episode 13 of Scuba Obsessed. I don't have a topic for this one, so we'll edit something in. This week in the news, no landing on the North Pole for French ski and scuba start. Pilot and history of Helldiver crash uncovered. U.S. Naval frigate captures pirate mothership. L.A. judge declares mistrial on divers lawsuit. And St. Charles man goes scuba diving in Mexico and discovers his family he didn't know he had. And that was a mouthful, wasn't it? How are you doing today, Jim? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, we've got beautiful weather up here in the Midwest. Uh, and get better every day. Can you believe it? If anybody had said it would have been, I mean, what did we get to? Did we get to 80? Uh, the radio station said it was 80 uh, when I was at work today, yes. Oh, man, 80 degrees in April 1st. And that is a April Fool's joke I'll take any time. Yes. As long as it can be nice and and warm like this, this is an amazing weather we're having. And uh, I just look at it as saying, you know, even if it gets cold next week, it has to have done something to warm up that water. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it, the water is getting warm uh, at an amazing rate. Uh, we'll talk about that later from our dive uh, over the past weekend. Uh, but it's uh, it's moving on up. Oh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, we've been getting some dives in, and the nice thing about diving all winter is it just gets warmer from here on out. So uh, I understand that uh, you are shortly getting ready to go to a trip. Yes, I am. I wasn't on. Uh, I didn't have my uh, mic muted there, did I? <laughs> no. Um, no. Yeah, I, I am. Um, we're getting ready. In fact, uh, just a couple hours after we shut down. Uh, from recording this, we're going to pile into the the family uh, sedan and uh, trek down to uh, mid-Florida, down uh, to the uh, on the Gulf side, Crystal River area, and uh, spend some time there visiting family. I hadn't really thought about it, but there's some dive spots nearby. I might as well take advantage of that. So, are you surprised that there's diving in Florida? Yeah, you know, I hadn't even really thought about it. Hadn't you know, crossed your mind. <laughs> no, not me. Okay, I almost no believe way. you. Yes, I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I almost so, believed you yeah. for a second. Yeah, no, I believe me. I was figuring out if I don't have enough room in the car for all of my gear, uh, which one of my sons isn't making the trip. <laughs> um, I, no, I, I don't think I would argue with you in that decision <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, But I'm, I'm kind of excited because some of the dives that I did uh, shortly after getting certified a few years ago, um, I'm going to be doing those again with my eldest son who, you know, if people have been paying attention, is, is certified. And uh, I'm excited to see how he does with those and uh, the things he sees, if he enjoys the same things about them that I did. Um, but I am excited and uh, ready to go. Is it going to be a similar time of the year that, than when you went down before? No, um, when I went last time uh, and dove, it was uh, December, and uh, so it's going to be quite a bit warmer down there now, and I'll be taking my trusty uh, 7 mil Aqualung wetsuit down, which is going to be overkill, but it's uh, it's what I've got. Well, so I'm, I, I'm following my Florida friends, and uh, some of them are just starting their first dives of the season now. So I think you're going to be plenty toasty in that uh, seven mil, and they'll probably be shivering in their threes. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, again, once you get in the water, I'm fine. I can vent it very well. You know, pulling out the neck seal a little bit and the wrist seals, and get some cool water in there. Um, it's the 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 walks and the surface intervals that uh, you can get pretty hot in. Um, but you know, as long as I'm getting into some some water i'm gonna be good well that's great i'm 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 actually jealous wish i could get to go down there uh, i'll i'll figure out a way i'll i'll send you plenty of pictures oh um, that's uh, and, and uh next week i'll be actually down there when we're doing the show so um you know some of the stuff should be fresh on my mind i should be able to dive midweek yeah you can do a remote <laughs> hey so well, that'll be great. Uh, have Have you had anybody from Florida give you any suggestions? I know you had uh, tweeted a few comments. Any, yeah. any good nibbles? 
yeah, we've gotten some feedback, and uh, you know, there's some couple, there's a couple different spots uh, on the side that we're on. There's not a, a ton of shore diving, uh, as it were, you know, going out into the golfer or anything like that. But there are a couple of springs that aren't far from there. Um, Ginny Springs, which is nationally known, is is uh, within driving distance of there. Uh, we may drop in on that, and we're open water, uh, no cavern or caves. Um, but we may peer inside of some caverns and uh, and check that out. There's also, uh, uh, you know, Manatee Springs State Park, which is a definite hit. Uh, we've done that one before and had some people talk about that. Um, Devil's Den is another one that's that's come up in conversation with some different people. So yeah, that's uh, there's a lot of lot of things fairly close there. And again, it's not a dive vacation, but it's a vacation where I'm going to be able to dive. Hey, that counts. Yeah. Uh, just just be careful of that warm water. <laughs> we we know <laughs> we, we, you know we we have that theory that warm water and great visibility could be dangerous. So we'll just have to. It it is. I'm, I'm confident of that, but I'm I'm also confident in my skills to be able to handle that. So okay. we'll be good. Great. So why don't we go and uh, jump into last week's dive? Uh, yeah. Jim, Jim and I did a dive. Uh, last week on a wreck called the South Bend in Diamond Lake, and uh, you know after uh, you know trying to figure out how to get there, you know we we knew the boat dock was on the <laughs> south side of the lake, and you know how maps are and Google Earth and everything, you know it seems like well we'll just come along the main roads, come around the south the the outside, but those little lines don't tell you what type of road that is you're driving on. And some of those, were, <laughs> no. I, I, I think I've seen driveways that are uh, wider and easier to navigate. But when they're diving on the line, we'll, 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 we'll uh, go through any hazard to get there within reason. So we, we navigate our way there. And lucky for us that uh, Bob and Kurt weren't waiting for us. I think we beat them by all of probably about 45 seconds. Yeah, and it was uh, for the same reason as that uh, it's been a while since they had been there, so it worked out well. Yep, yep. So, uh, you know, it's still, it was a beautiful day. We had some nice, it was nice and, you know, I won't say sunny, it was overcast but bright, uh, reasonable, you know, moderate temperatures, warm for the time of the year. Right. Uh, did, did you ever get a measurement in the service, surface, service? Surface, I had, uh, I think, 49, but that seemed, I, I just think my gauge hadn't quite warmed up yet. No, you're on, because uh, uh, Captain Bob's uh, uh, electronics package was indicating that we had 49 degrees at the surface, too, so um, I believe it. Wow, 49 at the surface. So, uh, Diamond Lake, uh, how many acres was that lake? Oh, gosh, it was, I looked it up. What was it, 12... Uh, 1,200 acres? Yeah, 1,200 lake, like acre lake. And, and it actually feels bigger than that. And I think it's partially because in the middle of the lake is an island, so I'm sure that doesn't count as part of the surface area of the water. Uh, there's a cable barge right. that travels between the land and the island, and the island just happens to be about the spot we we're going to dive on an old steamship wreck called the South Bend. Right. So after a short little bob out there... Uh, no pun intended, uh, he threw the anchor down, and uh, we got ready. So we, we got to ride in Bob's boat again, like we did out to the Havana, and he actually had, we were, it was a maiden voyage of his new seat he had installed. And it worked out very well. It's a, it's a, a bench seat of sorts um, that's adjustable up and down, and it made getting your uh, your your gear on and off uh, a bit easier. You had something solid to lean on and uh, sit on on the way out and back. I really think that adds to the capacity of the boat. I know that there's some concern that there'd be less room for gear, but it seemed like when we rode before, you couldn't. it seemed like where we sat on the sides, you couldn't sit really any farther back in the boat or you'd be bouncing out into the motor. Where were that yeah. seat's position now? You could put two people there, and then I, I think we could have a comfortable ride, I mean, as long as you're not going for an hour, you know, with six people in the boat. I mean, the boat's yeah. rated for a lot more. I mean, the flotation of these boats are phenomenal, but that Zodiac's 
like that. Yeah. I, I think it's rated for like eighteen or something. Yeah, and it you wouldn't you wouldn't unless they were close friends or family you wouldn't be comfortable inside that personal radius. No, anyway, it, it, it would it'd be mostly I think for uh, like a uh, survival lift. You're, you're, you're yeah. taking uh, rescue off the island. How many can you safely do? And yeah, if you're in an emergency, you could fit eighteen on that boat. But right, uh, and and you know, and gear does take up. I think without gear, I would say yeah, ten maybe. You know, mix a few kids in there. Uh, you could yeah. get 10, but uh, yeah, uh, I wouldn't want to go that many. But with that extra seat, it definitely adds capacity for divers. Right. So. Right, it sure does. And, uh, you know, hats off to to Captain Bob and, and treating us to another great day on the water. Oh, certainly. And then as has become his tradition, he's going to have a hard time living up to this, but he dropped that anchor and he couldn't have positioned it any better. I mean, GPS does help, but... There's just no substitute for experience, and he just dropped that that anchor right there on the dive site and let out the line, and we went down right where we thought we would, what right where we wanted to. There was a, uh, along with the wreck down there, there's a communications booth, which if you imagine uh, a fish tank with uh, angle iron around it to make it up on a stand so that the fish tank is about six feet off the bottom. And you, what you, I guess the idea is that you have air into that fish tank and you can communicate and talk down there. And we, we took some uh, scrub brushes. Uh, they'd done right. quite a bit of cleaning the dry suit guys before we had gotten down there. But they had that glass pretty well cleaned up and they emptied a 60 tank into there. So we had plenty of air. And, right. Uh, uh, that, that was, that was kind of interesting. The first time I'd seen one. I've, been to, I've seen other type of communication booths, which kind of seemed to be retrofit but that was that was interesting i like the idea of the glass it seems like um, th- there's some benefit for being able to see out yeah i thought it was pretty neat because uh you know uh you were doing the glass on the outside and kirk and i popped up inside and and talked a little bit uh and uh you know it's uh it is a neat thing uh, so we filled it up it was it was totally uh Totally empty, I guess, or full, I guess, is uh, the way you would put it, full, empty. There was no air in it when we got down there at first. Um, they emptied a uh, a tank inside of the uh, communication booth, and by the time Darren and I got down, it uh, it was full, empty, empty, full. It had air in it. and The uh, air had displaced the water, and if you wanted right. to go up, you could breathe. Uh, yep. It wasn't like it was stale air that had been camped out there all winter. Uh, right. at, at first, I thought we had too vigorously cleaned it because I noticed there's a little stream of air bubbles leaving. So I was kind of like, oops, did I overdo it? But I'm glad to hear that uh, it was probably a pre-existing condition in the communications booth. Right. And uh, <clears throat> maybe on the next dive down, I've got some uh, swimming pool liner uh, cement that works underwater that... Uh, I'll throw in my pocket and we'll take down and see if we can't patch that up. Yeah, that'd uh, so be. it's kind of neat to have a chore to do while you're down there, and we we certainly did uh, did something good. Yeah, so we we got that uh, set up, and uh, on the bottom the temperature was 31, so I was one degree off my bet from last week. Not 31. Let me correct 40, you there. 40. <laughs> 31. Yeah, we were we were ice blocks. And we were still stuck in the ice in the bottom. <laughs> no, it was 41, and I had bet on 42. But, you know, I think if you factor in that it was, you know, 49 at the surface and 42 down, I don't I don't feel too bad. We don't quite have a thermocline out there. You know, I, I don't know if that was deep enough where we were at to really develop a full one. Maybe there'll be one just inches off the bottom there. Right, and I I couldn't feel the difference as I went down or, no, or no, we didn't. transition depth, so it's not there yet. No, but uh, nice and a very silty bottom. Uh, we had to be real careful not to stir stuff up. There there was a little bit of a current down there, but not. Yeah, they said none, and there was a, I I could feel it kind of like you had said. There's a little bit of something going there, but yep. it was easy to silt up. Uh, in fact, I the first thing I did when I got down. We're working in a communications booth that has kind of a grate along the bottom, and I put my fins down the grate, and I didn't even touch the bottom, and I, it's like I wanted to yell, it's not me, it's not me, and I didn't do it. But <laughs> I just that, just that little setting my fins down on that grate was enough water displacement or, or movement that it kicked up the silt, and then this cloud came up. And, you know, I'm just imagining Kurt or Bob going, ah, those rookies are again are at it. 
but right. So it was, you know, that it, it settled down. So even it was very silty. At one point, Kurt said, "You know, I was seven feet from the bottom, and I did a kick, and he said he could see the uh, silt kind of moving behind me." So. I still need to work on that frog kick. I did do a little bit of practice, but I think I'm just a little too impatient. I'm used to that strong scuba kick, and that you know I can really cut some distance with that kick. So, gotta right. slow it down. It's and, amazing what a good uh, a guy who's doing a good frog kick how how good they can move along and pretty effortlessly too. Um, yep. So it's something for us to work on. Yep. But uh, I thought buoyancy went pretty well. I I was in the water column where I wanted to be and could at will move up and down. So, you know, that's, that was good. Uh, got yep. to try out my new scuba gear. Yay. So, uh, I, I picked, I had picked that up that the day before the dive, you know, I was all excited, got down to the shop, you know, everything's all nice and clean. And, you know, I've been using rental gear all this time and, you know, everything's kind of, you know, it's in good condition, but got a little scratches. So this was all pristine condition. So it was nice to have, all that stuff I picked up, uh, for people who want to keep track, I have an Aqualung Legend. And one of the reasons I chose that was just for its, uh, I've been renting Legends and, uh, and Aqualung gear and it worked out really well with no free flows. And then the fact that this is a cold water rig. So we've got so many dives are doing in cold and chilly water. It just makes sense. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I got the primary and the backup is uh, cold water rated. Uh, nice first stage. Broke down and bought the dive computer. This is probably not going to be my last dive computer, but I think it's a, a good one to get started. I picked up the Ares XR2. So, you know, pretty happy with that. You know, compass, uh, pressure gauge. So, a little bit of everything. But the one thing, uh, typical rookie mistake and all the excitement of picking up the new gear, I was a hose short. <laughs> <laughs> You mean your hose was short? Yeah, no, yeah, that no, was it was like six inches. No, I was missing a hose. But um, I, you know, because I've been renting gear, and pretty much your, your rental gear comes with with all the hoses. So right, I had right. Bought, I had bought a used BC, hadn't thought anything about it. Probably when I got the BC, I should have said something at that moment in time and said, you know, hey, can I have the hose? You know, can you get me a hose for this? And you know, it probably cost me, you know, five ten bucks for a used hose to go to BC, but. You know, being a rookie, I didn't realize that the the hose comes the BC. So when I go and I and I I I thought I had covered this every which way from everywhere, saying, you know, I need this to dive. I'm going diving this weekend. I need the complete setup. And oh yeah, this is everything. Yeah, you know, over and over and over. And as we were getting up before the dive, and I'm loading the gear in the boat, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> how am I going to inflate my BC? So. You know, the, the experienced divers to the rescue again. Kurt had a hose. I think it only cost me $600. Well, he, he hasn't really invoiced you yet. That's, that was an estimate. That was an estimate. So it could come in higher. And then site delivery is expensive. And then, uh, of course, like the rookie, I didn't have an Allen wrench the same size as the plug. So that, I don't know, was that like 250 or something? Yes. The Allen wrench. So, you know, I'm, I figure I'm just south of a grand on uh, gear rental from Kurt. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, and, and it was something he said he had just put that in his dive kit. You know, it's uh, nice to have backups of, of certain stuff. And you, you never know when a hose is going to let go and end a dive. So, you know, special thank you to Kurt for having that stuff and getting my gear set together. And, it, and it's nice. You know, I, I, have, I hadn't changed any hoses on any, any of my gear yet. So it was, you know, it was nice to have somebody there who's done it before, you know. Telling you how not to over tighten it or to tighten it, so right. uh, got everything together. You know, I, it wasn't going to stop my dive. I would have used it as a practice for uh, filling up my BC manually. Uh, I might, I wouldn't have been nearly as graceful as I was, but uh, it wouldn't have wouldn't have ended the dive for me. So, but uh, the reg the reg breathed nice. Uh, you know, I, I no complaints. Uh, That's right. With it. So now, now your regulator has got uh, the legend has got the uh, large cold water mouthpiece, doesn't it? Yep. And you know, what do you think about that? At first, you know, when I'm I'm trying it on because I didn't quite. I mean, I knew it was on there, but I was thinking that it was one piece. I'm gonna have to take it off. 
So I dove with it just the way it is. And I yeah. had to really bite onto that mouthpiece to keep it in my mouth. I don't know. Maybe I've got fat lips or something. <laughs> but I just never felt like I could get that regulator into my mouth all the way. So yeah. I, it didn't stop the dive and it didn't distract me. I, you know, the we did a 50-minute dive. So uh, I, I didn't get jaw fatigue or anything from it. But that night at home, as I'm cleaning everything out and looking at it, I see that that's a separate piece. So... I could take that cold water uh, protector off if I need, but I could also move it back. And I'm sure it's not, I don't know if it's really designed for this because there's like a clip, but I was able to move it back. So now I can get it, it, it fits fine. So I think I just might have to keep that on there. Uh, I can't see my lips getting too warm. No, I wouldn't think so. I, I, I'd like to take a look at that, and uh, it might be something I'd put onto the Apex uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I bet that that's I've got. A, that's a separate piece. Uh, it doesn't yeah. quite fit on straight because one side, because what I've actually done is it, it's, it's, it's rubbery, so I can stretch it. So I've stretched it and moved it farther away from my mouth to give me a little bit more room. So, yeah, so that it fits in there. So, yeah, it's... Uh, I'm holding it right now, so it. it, it I think I'm going to like it. I didn't. I wasn't quite too sold on it, and I think if I hadn't been able to adjust it, I wouldn't go with it. But uh, it's that's going to work out, right? So, so uh, and then uh, what? What was the next thing we saw? Uh, well, we we went down and we took a look at uh, some of the remains of the boat, and uh, it really is. It's a rubble. You know, uh, but it, it's really neat. Um, got down there and uh, uh, how how do I explain it? Uh, everything had been moved uh, in the 80s kind of to a central location, if I understand it right. And as a side note, um, one of our local uh, dive shops, uh, JR Aquatic, formerly JR Aquatic, now uh, just at H2O, um, the original proprietors of that shop, uh, were the ones who had located that that wreck back in the 70s. Uh, so that's kind of a, a, a neat tie-in there. And uh, later on, some of those folks gathered up pieces of rubble and kind of moved it into a more lo- of a central location. And I would say that uh, of the, the remains that are down there, they're, it's probably, what, 20 to 30 feet away um, to the next section, to the next section, and then it and then back what do you think yeah yeah i would say it's uh within 20 30 feet it's it's just within visibility with the vis we had you could look and and people have documented the site so there's uh you know if you ever are heading out there and you want to know what it's laid out let one of us know and we can probably uh dig up a map uh kurt and bob had something that they had laminated for us uh, it's fun with them showing us all these new sites they actually i'm sure there's all those little projects they say at some point i want to document this and they probably never do, but uh, you know, taking the rookies out, it, it they they got fancy and laminated. So we had some cards that showed the layout of the site and the orientation of everything. But probably about twenty feet between pieces. Right. Um, now, uh, Captain Bob had laid out uh, some real line uh, from the major pieces uh, for us. Uh, to take a look and uh, checked them out. And I, I took a look in some of the nooks and crannies. I really didn't see anything down there, although I guess he saw uh, a fair size catfish take off down there. Um, it figures just that... after we're, we're up is when they see everything. Sounds <laughs> almost like a fish story to me. Right, exactly. And, you know, some of that's, that embellishment is factored in because it is a water sport. Yep. Uh, but uh, it, it I guess the boiler, when it hit the water, exploded and uh, really tore it up. Uh, did a did a fair amount of damage to that. Um, as it was going down, the boiler was hot, hit the water, and uh, and exploded. Um, but let's and, see. And it, cer- it certainly was did. Yeah, because that was interesting. If you ever want to see what the inside of a boiler looks like, you don't have to search too hard because it is ripped open. It's like a imagine a pop can bursting or a tin can it just uh, tore on this uh, on the seams or not even on the seams just any place that had to to relieve pressure right and then you had the heat exchangers inside so you could see the the boilers in about three major pieces 
and then there was heat exchangers right next to it and then kind of off on the side. Yeah, the uh, kind of neat there. I would have liked to have seen uh, some of the stuff that went down around the wreck, but that's uh, long since gone um, because, you know, of the time, the era that it went down. Uh, overall, I'd do it again. I'd, I'd like to get down there and get a hangout. Um, the silt was pretty deep, like most of the inland lakes. Uh, you touch the surface and jig a little, little bit, uh, and it, it kind of just waves of it. Um, you could stick your arm down into it just about as far as you'd want, I'd imagine. It certainly could. But it, 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 it looked clean, though. You know, like some of the other lakes we, yeah. drive, we dive on, and the silt is kind of that gray, mucky color. This yep. is kind of a white, fine silt. Yeah, uh, the only thing that I saw down there that even looked like debris uh, was a broken fishing pole. And uh, yeah. it was pretty funny because it was stuck vertically just bloop like somebody well, it hit was, initially i, I saw that because it was it was like it was a two-part fishing pole there was still line through it yep. and one part was stuck in one spot and the other part was stuck in the other spot so i have to believe somebody diving previously had just found it and instead of bringing it up just planted it there that's possible it uh it's pretty uh pretty funny looking when you found it yeah um, trying to think about what else uh was unique about that uh, it was a good time to get under the water and uh it, it started the dive season officially um in the way that i can tell that it started officially is that we were limited by our air supply not by how long we could stand the water yes um, it, yeah and that was that's kind of actually interesting because it was 41 and when we dove the havana it was uh essentially you know the same temperature but there was you know, and and I did, I did get close to on that dive, uh, getting you know I, air did come into factor, but I was also cold when I came up. This one, I wasn't cold until we got on the boat and we're heading back. That's when I started to feel the temperature. So yeah, definitely we're now to the uh, practicing uh, conserving air to get some longer dives in. Right, and uh, I could see uh, you know if we uh, had the right uh, clothing. Uh, after a little bit of a surface interval, maybe doing another tank dive. So the weather's getting warmer, the water's getting warmer, and uh, I think we're going to have a great dive season. I certainly agree. I could have, uh, I, I, I w actually what I wish I had done is taken the warm water jug out with us because even if we didn't go in for another dive, it would have been handy just to kind of top off and warm yeah. up a bit. I I agree. And, and just kind of a, a recap on that, um, for those that haven't done wetsuit in cooler water, um, priming warm water we take with us to prime uh, and fill our wetsuits uh, with water that's already warm. That way our bodies don't have to warm up the water as it comes in from the water that we're diving in. Um, and then as soon as you come out, if you can, get a good windbreaker, a thick windbreaker that... Uh, you, I was going to say that would break the wind, but that's a totally different thing altogether. Um, and and you, no, don't worry about the breaking wind. You need the wind breaker. <laughs> right, right. They are two different things. Um, but that helps out tremendously. Uh, you would think that underneath your wetsuit you wouldn't feel the wind, but it, it sure seems to slow down the evaporation and the cooling uh, on your skin. Um, when I had a windbreaker on and windbreaker pants, um, it made a huge difference. Um, I could feel it warm up as soon as I put them on. Um, and that's a couple of things, tips that help out with, uh, diving wet in cold water. Yeah. I, I need to find something like that just for that windbreaker. Well, I, I think that even goes in the summer. I mean, we can, even the air temperature is 60, 70 degrees. If you've gotten chilled right. on your way down, cause you did, let's say we do two tanks and you're yep. not going to be able to get out of that wetsuit and warm up that, that wind evaporating cause you get that evaporation effect on that wetsuit that can effectively drop your temperature in fact that's usually where the problems come in is uh, you get cold after the fact you, you didn't get out soon enough because you didn't anticipate how cold you were going to get yeah sure and uh you know being cold is miserable and, and miserable is not something to be uh when you're doing a hobby for fun um so yeah we're, we're, we're cold weather divers but we don't like being cold there's you know and, and 
the walk out to the car for me, I'll get to shivering and uh, my wife will ask me about it and say, well, you'll, you'll go dive or, you know, jump in the water. But I can't figure out why it's different for me, but uh, it sure is. It, it is. And even I, I notice that even as I'm going down in the water, I might feel a little cold right there at the, the beginning. But as soon as I see something interesting, that all goes away. I'm yes. nice and toasty. Yep. Uh, there, there's something. And, and it's a little bit, uh, like Kurt and Bob had said, it's a little bit of that stress factor. You know, when you're in very low vis and it's dark and you're just not seeing anything, you, you, got a little, you get a little bit anxious. You know, there's a little bit of instinct in us to not go in dark places where we can't escape from. And right. uh, underwater is not a natural home for us as human beings on this planet. So, right. uh, you know, that, that there's that little, you know, get out of here instinct. And that's where your, yep. our training comes in to where, yep. you know, you don't panic because panic doesn't do any good. You just take it calm and uh, enjoy it. But as soon as I see something, man, I'm warm. <laughs> we were talking about that. I was thinking about some of the other things that we saw there and. uh, you and I went back over the top of the um, the remains of the hull, and I looked back over my shoulder, and I saw Kirk um, with the anchor in his hand oh. uh, swimming like the blazes. The anchor had started to uh, to drag through the silt. It hadn't taken a good set. Um, and Whoa. so he was kicking up silt trying to move it back to, to the mooring or the anchor point for the communications booth. Yeah, and, cause... uh he was having a hard time with it, so we went over and and helped him finish placing that. Uh, but that was pretty comical. It was uh, it just plumes yeah. of silt were going up. Yeah, because Bob he he dropped that anchor perfect right in the middle of the the wreck right. site, but there was nothing for it to grip on. It was just gripping in the silt. And when we came down the line, the line was actually going over the communication booth. It was right. So he did. They didn't want it to mess with the booth, so they moved the anchor off to the side. And there's a little bit of wind on the surface, so that anchor was probably moving a foot every two or three minutes. And uh, you know, it wasn't. It would have been fine, but you know, we might have had some hunting to do for that anchor line uh, if we had been down too long and preoccupied someplace else. So right. they they had actually hooked it into the base of that diving platform, which is weighted or that, that communications booth. Yeah. That's and a then, solid piece there. And then when he, he picked it up to take it off, it took him <laughs> downwind. And then he had to swim like heck getting back, which is what Jim's referring to. And, uh, yep. I, I, I missed that part. I, I don't know. I must've been uh, scraping barnacles or something. Yeah. Um, and then another thing, uh, you tried out your, your camera and, Oh yeah. Uh, had you know at first kind of looked at some of the stuff and but for the price yeah, i think this, it did very well i'd say it's a it's a good buy based on price yep so uh, for for those who don't know what it is is i you know i i've been looking for the cheapest good i don't say cheapest good the cheapest underwater camera i could find um i i know i want to get a nicer camera something digital uh you know high resolution or video I even tossed around the idea of maybe I could see some 3D cameras. I thought that would be kind of cool. But uh, I just wanted something to get started, you know, because you're going down and you you go back to the loved ones and people who don't dive and you're talking about this stuff. And, you know, everybody thinks of the tropics as being beautiful. But it, this is we got some nice uh, diving locations and stuff stuff to see down here. So I wanted to get this camera. So I found this camera for $50 at a trade show. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, and unfortunately, was that Innovis? Is that what that's called? Um, you know, I I N T O V A, I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I could go look in the website. If you go on the website, we'll have links to it. But to SS one thousand model snap sight, and it's really meant to be. This company started making disposable cameras, the kind you go to the resort, and it's in the plastic housing, and you take however many. Kodachrome or Fuji shots you can do, and then you send the whole thing in, and they pull it apart, recycle the camera, and then give you your photos back. Well, who's doing film anymore? Nobody. <laughs> so this company took that same technology, and who knows? This might even be some of the ha the same type of housings, and they put it into an underwater camera. So 
This is probably my third dive with a camera, the second one I actually took pictures on. Uh, and on the surface, we took some shots. In fact, there's one uh, of Jim that just turned out amazing on the surface. And I had kind of discounted it for the surface because even at home, you know, inside, you know, you need a lot of light with this. It's not a, a low-light camera by any means. Right. But it, it took a nice photo. And then I didn't, you know, when we got in, we went down. I didn't think about it till I got down. And we were at, was it 39 feet down there? Yeah. On the site. So we're at 39 feet. And, I, and I'm, I'm just struggling with the buttons. I've got that power button. And I am just pushing for all it's worth. And I couldn't get it on. And I'm thinking, it's you know, maybe it's my gloves. And I knew enough not to take the gloves off. I mean, that would be a rookie mistake. Take the gloves off, get cold. You know, and you turn a 50-minute dive into a 15-minute dive. So I said, oh, well, I'll deal with it when I get back. Well, as we're coming up and we're doing our safety stop, I'm like, well, I wonder what I can do now. And the buttons press easy as you can. So uh, later when I talked to Kurt, he said that's common with these cheaper cameras. You know, it's rated for 50 feet. It's just that you're not going to be able to. <laughs> it may not work at 50 yeah, feet. Yeah, you, you can't use it at 50 feet. It's not going to leak. So... Now the challenge is at what depth, and I was almost wondering if maybe I had thought about it in advance and had it on, because you got the four buttons on the back of the camera, and it's like a little D-pad, like on your video game controller. And those are, might be harder to press than the one big shutter button on the top. So next time when we go down, I'll have it on, so all I got to do is press that. Cause I, and I think that's what it is. I think I had it on, I probably could have taken pictures. It uses two AAA batteries. I pretty much drain those every time I'm down, but I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I am cheap, but I'm, I'm not going to be so cheap. <laughs> I'm going to waste, a, you know, photos I could get. So I pretty much throw the batteries out at the end of each time. But, uh, but uh, it, it's, I, I have to say, it took some good pictures. I, I got, you know, my new uh, Twitter not my Twitter, but my Facebook profile pictures is one that Jim took of me. You know, Jim only took, what, two pictures of me, and they both turn out great. I take, like, six pictures of Jim. <laughs> I'm, like, the classic uh, photographically challenged person. I've got the back of his tank. I've got a, I've got a hose. I've got a fin. I, I never got you centered in, a, in any one of those pictures. Well, it was, it was luck, I can tell you that. That's all there was to it. What did you discover at the safety stop when I handed you the camera? <laughs> uh, that camera, the, the problem with that camera is it uh, it affects your buoyancy uh, dramatically. <laughs> I, you know, you, you handed it to me, and I, I was doing really well at our safety stop. We had we were two minutes, two minutes 30 in into the safety stop, so we were, we were fine in either way. But you handed it to me, all of a sudden, boom. I'm focusing on this camera, trying to make it work, trying to figure it All of a sudden, you know, your ears start to do the little crackle thing. And I look around just as I'm ready to break the surface. Now, how in the heck did that happen? <laughs> uh, you know, it, that camera is, is, it's only, what, three inches by maybe oh, yeah. Yeah. four inches. By, it can't affect buoyancy that yeah, it's much. It's about the size sure of a deck of playing cards, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, Oh, yeah, embarrassing. embarrassing. Well, that, that happened to me that that first week when I had it. We got down, we, we recovered my flashlight from the bottom of the river, and then I said, well, let us let me get a shot. And as I'm playing with it, then I noticed that you're 10 feet below me. Yep. So Yep, it, so it happens. Whoever happens to be holding the magic camera is uh, is going up. So In your defense, it is positively buoyant. You know, as I had it snapped off to a D-ring, it was floating next to my face, so... Uh, well, if you didn't weren't holding it in your hand, it has no effect. I'm sure of that. Oh, is that how it works? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so, But anyway, you know, it, it's another one of those things that just goes to show you that um got a long way to go before uh, uh, the buoyancy and, and all of those things become second nature and how much skill is actually involved in that. Um, that you can appreciate the guys that can do the the really top notch photography, the guys that can work underwater, the guys that can be task oriented, and uh, and all the other stuff that we're working so feverishly on, it comes second nature to them. Hey, uh, we've been so busy chatting, we didn't notice that somebody dropped into the chat room. We have uh, White Boy Troy, 
welcome. Yeah, he he's come and gone. I think. Oh, did he? Yeah, I oh, think my, so. I've been just so so preoccupied. So. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think he's come and gone. If you haven't, white boy Troy, chime in here. But uh, I think he has. He's gone. Uh, we uh, we bored him that quickly. But uh, yeah, the pictures pictures turned out. I think it's a it's a would be a pretty good, uh, especially above surface wet camera. Uh, you know, put one to take in the boat or or whatever like that too, uh, where you wouldn't want to have a more expensive camera uh, ruined. Yeah. I guess. Well, and then also the I mean cameras. You know, the, I I know that we're going to get to the point where the cameras can get bigger and bigger and bigger, and at some point it just becomes. Too much. I mean, you want to do a fun dive? One of these small disposable cameras has got to be it. So I'm, you know, I, I it, it turned out better. I'm still not, you know, a home run. You know, maybe I'll look for another, you know, because I like it, but a little bit nicer for a hundred bucks. You know, right? You know, so but it's 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 very attractive and and definitely if you're just looking for you're going to a, a tropical tropical location and you're just going to be doing some snorkeling. And you know, yeah, you know, that might be the only time you ever need an underwater camera. This is definitely a substitute I would recommend, opposed to buying a film one and having to mess with the development. If you got your laptop, you plug it in, you get the pictures right away, and it didn't do too bad. Too bad a job on the photos. We'll have them up on the website. Uh, I'll link to them in the show notes, and uh, you can take a look at them and see what you say for yourself. And we'll keep playing with this all summer, and hopefully come up with uh, some better photos. Well, right. We're at that time of show. We probably should jump into the news. And the first story we've got is a St. Charles man goes scuba diving in Mexico. And what he was, he was down there on a normal trip. He looks around and he sees a gentleman and he says, man, that he looks familiar. And he, and he knows a little bit about, uh, you know, human physiology because of some of his profession and experience. And he just thinks, you know what? I would be surprised if I'm not related to that person. They get to talking and they find out that they're half brothers. You know, and of, you know, he had never met him. His dad had left him when he was really young. Uh, and it sounds like he had gone from the family he was in and started a new family someplace else. And but just the odds of you know on this whole planet of going someplace scuba diving and not only running into your half brother but then also discovering that he's a scuba diver. So uh, we won't read the whole article. We'll we'll post to it so you can read it if you're into that stuff. It's it's barely scuba, but I just came across it and you know those these worlds are small stories are interesting. Yeah, what a human interest thing. It's amazing. And then another one that we've got here, we've been talking about, there's been that dive suit about the uh, diver who was ab abandoned by the dive boat. Uh, you know, they, it was a two-dive spot, and he had gone down, and, you know, they, they, he, a couple minutes into the dive, uh, couldn't equalize and was slow, and so he went back up, and he found out that he was down current from the dive boat. And he thought, no problem, they'll see me when they get done with the dive. Well, the dive boat pulls up anchor after everybody else is in and heads to the next dive spot. <laughs> and uh, you know, as you read more about it, it's just kind of like it's wacky all the way around. you got the captain of the boat. The captain's claiming he's not responsible because you know, he's not the dive operator. Yet, if he's not responsible, why is he taking uh, role? But then when he, they take role, they claim somebody else spoke for him. Then they're claiming yeah. you know, nobody knows who was his dive buddy. So all that happens. You know, good news is some Boy Scouts in a boat later who had just been practicing the day before how to do water rescues shouts man overboard. They go pick him up and rescue him. So it ended up okay, but still he's suing. But in a weird twist, because this case has been going on and on, in a weird twist, the Los Angeles judge declared a mistrial on the $4 million case and the reason they said it was a mistrial, it was taking far longer than anticipated, and it was too taxing for the court's calendar. <laughs> we don't have time for justice. Oh, exactly. 
uh, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, judge, do not remember my name. I'm Peter Ustinoff, so don't come looking for me. Uh, <laughs> you never know. You, you badmouth a judge, it's going to come back and haunt you. Right. But come on. Is that really a legitimate cause to declare a mistrial? I mean, didn't you know it took longer than anticipated? You know, it's kind of like me at work saying, I got a third of the way through my job and oh, I really don't feel like doing it anymore. It was just too much. Yeah, Jim, could you imagine that in your job, you know, getting halfway oh. through a, a project and then just going, you know, I don't know if I want to mess with this. You know, somebody else take it. So now I don't know how many weeks they had in this case, but now that it's going to be reassigned to, you know, they say reassigned to a courtroom. Well, if it's a, if it's an issue of the courtroom, can't the judge and everybody go with it? It, 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 it just is bizarre, but uh, I don't know. I just this does not give me uh, a good feeling for the court system when this is the reason. Because if I was a taxpayer out there in Los Angeles, I'm going to be ticked. How much money did yeah. you waste? I mean, that doesn't come free. You know, do, do, are they just going to does, whoever loses this case? Do they have to pay the court fee for two trials? Uh, maybe you just know. Go- yeah, and you, it's it's how what's the basis? You know, I guess I, I have no no yeah, law I, background or anything like that. It's just it sounds silly. Yeah, it certainly does. But you know, all this means is that we're going to get to go and live this trial all over again in another court, and it's probably going to get more media attention. So we'll follow it, and as we know more, we'll let you know. But uh, that's just uh, that was. You know, one thing with the legal system I've learned is you can never anticipate what's going to happen, and I didn't expect a mistrial for those reasons. Next article is U.S. Navy frigate captures a pirate mothership. And again, this isn't scuba diving, but there's a boat involved, and I'm kind of like, well, it's about time. <laughs> and one more for the good guys. Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, Nairobi, Kenya. U.S. Naval Forces said Thursday they've captured five pirates after exchanging fire with them, sinking their skiff and confiscating a mothership. The USS Nicholas was just west of the Sanchiles in international water. Thursday, and the crew began taking fire from a suspected pirate skiff. Now, I'm thinking, <laughs> if you know, I'm picturing I've got this skiff. It's held together with duct tape and bubble gum. And I've got just a little bit of weapons, and I'm thinking, you know, it's been a dry run. Let me take on this U.S. Navy destroyer. <laughs> you know what's what's odd about that? I can't imagine ever thinking that that looks like a viable target. No, I mean, you look at the, the – they're, they're, they're showing – they have a video of it. You know, I'm assuming if it's not this cruise, it's one like it. And this thing looks badass. This is something that – if that's not the country I belong to, I'm not even going to look in its direction because I'd be afraid of what it can do. I mean, it's got stuff pointing out from every direction. I mean, there's radars and antennas, and I mean, it's got those guns that can slice stuff in half. And it, you know, all I can think of is that the angle they came up on it, you know, maybe they came up straight on it or something where you couldn't see and you've got a little bit of, you know, wave or swell. And, you know, these these guys are getting quite sophisticated on some of this. I was just reading this week that they've got, you know, they've gotten corporation documents for some of these pirates that are like corporations, you know, and, and you know, how you invest and how the money split. So, uh, you know, this, this country, Somalia, has no reputable government. And, you know, people are doing what they can to survive, by no means justifying piracy. Because I think we should do everything against it, but uh, they're, you know, since they're not able to put it into a positive end, they're they're making, you know, what's profitable businesses for them, and they're maturing them. So these pirates are going to get tougher and tougher until we either blow them out of the water before they even leave port, or there's some sort of functional government that's able to control their their coastlines. Well, and and their own form of capitalism starts kicking in. Yeah. Oh, you have to have hope. Uh, if you have a country and the people don't have hope, you're just going to have that. And if it's not piracy, it's going to be drug dealing. It's going to be extortion. You got to establish some sort of government. I'm not saying that the U.S. or U.N. or anybody should go in and do this, but there's got to be 
all the other countries next to Somalia have to be feeling this pain. Plus, the world is a trade organization. Uh, international right. naval forces have actually stepped up their enforcement in these waters off East Africa, and they're trying to thwart the growing piracy trade. And this just happens to be one we picked up in the news. You have to believe that there's stuff like this going on all the time. But it's good to see the good guys get one. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, so many times we got to sit back and but. Good yeah, for them. yeah, exactly, and, that, and that's I guess what bothers me. I'm not a sit back type of person, you know. I and you just kind of like, oh, why can't somebody do something? Well, it's good to see somebody did do something, and 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 you can't argue that they didn't have a case to go in. I mean, they're in international waters, and then you get fired on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just trying to picture what was it look like on the, on their faces when that happened. Because after they got the skiff, they then went back and went after uh, what they call the mothership. Uh, and the motherships are often used, they, they have gangs of them, and they set up the smaller boats off to go and get something. So it's kind of like a base on the water. Uh, but that, that had to been a, that's, that's, that's where you want to be careful what you're fishing for because you might catch it. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, next story is a pilot and history of the Helldiver crash uncovered. And this is one we covered uh, in an episode though, a little bit a while a little while ago where they announced they found it. Now there's a little bit more details into it. In January this year, a team of divers led by the Maui dive shop uh, B&B Scuba, they dove on a wreck of the aircraft that had uh, only previously been known by fishermen. So that's why us in the Great Lakes, uh, we like to uh, talk to the fishermen. You find a lot of good dive spots uh, based on them, in fact, there's one wreck that we're going to hopefully rediscover this summer that the fishermen have talked about. But uh, uh, the fishermen had, had talked about it, and they went out to look at it. And it turned out the aircraft was a Curtis SB-2C-1C Helldiver, uh, the last of the World War II dive bombers. It had sat in the bottom, sandy bottom for 66 years, and it had be, been collecting coral. And actually, it was turning into an artificial reef. Yeah, and uh, one of the one of the sections in here, if I could just uh, quote this uh, in the article: uh, Should you be one of the lucky few that have the opportunity to dive on the SB2C one uh, C Hell Diver tail number one eight four zero zero, please remember to respect her. She's a thing of beauty, and even though she may have been born a machine of war, most of her existence has been a nursery for life. Respect her, nurture her, protect her, and let her keep bringing life to our ocean. It would seem to be a fitting testament for an aircraft named Helldiver. That's kind of a neat uh, a neat thing that they put in there because it, looking at the pictures, uh, it uh, it's been claimed back by the ocean. Yeah, it's it's gone in. Uh... And, and those are type. I mean, that's like a dream site to dive on. I mean, you just, I'm just looking at the picture now, and all that's encrusted. Now, the last photo we saw was the canopy open like that. Uh, yeah, I believe it was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just amazing. What that must be like to be the, the first person on something like that and find it. Yeah. So we'll have we'll we'll have that linked in the show notes so you can. Head over there and, and take a look at that. And then uh, the last one is, let me pull it up. Uh, this is an ex expedition, not the car, but the uh, search. Uh, and this is a, a French ski and scuba group. I call them scuba group because that's everything that we think about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they, the, what it is is they, they were originally hoping to start in the North Pole, and uh, just safety concerns overrode that decision. The ice was too fragmented to land, so the uh, it's a French team, and so they had to start a little bit off of the North Pole. But what's interesting is you look at this the this expedition that they're doing, and they're skiing and scuba diving. <clears throat> excuse me, they're way from the North Pole, and it's going to be over 65 days, and uh, they've, they've done this before, not to the extent they are this time, but they're, they're, they're 
heading from this position and they're cutting holes in the ice going down filming and documenting life so you know this is truly pioneering in research because you know the we know we've got submarines that go up have gone underneath there and there's been a little bit but there's just so much we don't know about this part of the ocean and uh, that's got to be an exciting trip yeah and it, it's got a, a brief biographies uh on each of the the members of the team very interesting it, it certainly is and you can go Again, this will be another one that we'll link in the snow notes. Snow notes. Show notes. We're done with snow. We're done with snow. Well, I'm just looking at all the snow in these these pictures, and you know, while I'm I'm gonna enjoy the summer dives, uh, I enjoyed the winter dives more than I thought I would, and that's what they're doing. So, 65 days. You, if you follow the link on our website, you're gonna be able to link back to this article. Follow them there. I'm sure they're gonna continue to update. This was. Uh, recently posted just from a couple days ago and it was one of their first posts from it so there's another 60 days at least to go uh it's a rolex uh rolex rolex sponsored event uh their major uh donations to this and it's uh called uh, deep sea under the pole by rolex so they're gonna their goal is to have 100 dives and they're gonna document what they see so we'll certainly be watching to see how that goes and that brings me to future dives. You know, what's in the, we already heard the, the dives that you've got going. And now I'm to my dilemma. Maybe somebody's got a recommendation. Uh, but Bob called on my drive home today and he says, are you up for a dive on Saturday? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So, but the challenge is, can I fit one in? My family does Easter on Sunday, and then my wife and I, oh, probably 20, no, it's not been 20, maybe 16 years ago, we started a tradition of doing her family on Saturday. So what we do is we'd have them out here at the house. That way we could do it. It was a non-traditional day for Easter, but it was just kind of nice. It's kind of more of a potluck, picnic type of style. And we've got some property here. They play with the horses, fly kites, enjoy themselves. So we've done that, you know, I've missed a couple, you know, when I was on the sheriff's department and we had an event that happened on that day, I missed it one year and we were hosting it here. Well, this year we're not hosting it. It's at, uh, her mom's, but I'm wondering, I know it's wrong. So you don't have to <laughs> email me saying that it's wrong. What I want to do. I know that, but Hey, it's scuba diving. So what, what I, you're I, asking for is. How do, how, what, what kind of excuse? You're looking for people to. I, I need help on how do I sell this and ditch at least part. I can show up. You know, that's an all-day event. They're going to be, you know, Easter's just not like two hours. You know, it's going to be Easter's at like 1 o'clock. And, you know, it, they, you know 1 o'clock is when they say to eat. It's You're not going to eat till. It's never really ready by 1. No, it's not ready by 1. It's going to be by 3. And there's an Easter egg hunt. And you're always and the, nibbling. And the, and the, yeah, and the kids are all going to be together, really and they're not even going to notice I'm not there. So I thought maybe I'd give my wife maybe a blow-up doll. Could that pass? Well, there was that. No. No. Uh, I, that does not appropriate here. No, talk, um, that's, the, that's the other podcast. Right. Uh, uh, boy, you're you're walking on thin ice. We're, <laughs> we're done diving hard water. I can tell you that. Yeah, we're on thin ice. So I... You know, I haven't. I, I'll maybe I'll I'll blog it, but I I gotta try and sell it. I gotta ask. You know that I, I'm gonna do that, and I'll get the look the the look of death, which she patented. It's patented. I swear. You go and check in the patent office. She's got the look of death patented. So uh, I I know I'm gonna get that. Perfect. So uh, I might take some medicine beforehand for that. You know, usually whiskey or rum will help. Um, <laughs> and but. You know, I'm going to see what I can do. I tried to tell Bob and Kurt because they want to do a, a boat run. we got another wreck out there in the lake to go and visit. Um, it wasn't the Ironside. Oh, I can't remember what it Verano. is. Verano. Well, Verano is what they talked about last week, but it's, I think it's a different one now. Ah. It's one off of South Haven and uh, about 50 feet. So I'll have to look that up. But so... I'm just trying to, so I said, if can, if you get me back by one, that's no problem. Well, you know, Kurt 
in his occupation, he's going to be busy in the morning until about 9 o'clock. He'll get home, get ready about 10, get the boat ready, drive to South Haven. We're probably talking 11, 30, 12. You, die, you go out, so now we're probably 12, 31, an hour dive. Now we're at 2, an hour in 3, head back, shower 4. So 4.30, think I could, you know, for a 1 o'clock thing, show up at 4.30 and be okay? I hear crickets. I, 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 uh, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. That wreck's been down there. It sank when it'll be there another week or two. Um, but have a storm. You'll get in one of those hundred year storms that takes it out. I realize that's it. it it's possible. It really is. And, so uh, if, if you've got any ideas and you can jump in the, but form. the cold front may move in would, uh, trump that pretty big i think yeah uh visit us on uh <laughs> facebook uh we're always looking for more uh fans and friends on facebook uh give me some advice think i'm gonna get in trouble do you think i can survive do you think i can sell it uh i'm not too optimistic i give it about a 30 percent chance but i'm gonna try even though i know but, it's wrong right Right, but even though if you do it, uh, what are the chances of doing it without a fallout? Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah, you know, it might. You know, it, it, and that's going to say it didn't cost me. I mean, the last, you know, Diamond Lake dive, she went shopping the next day. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. See, so there's there's always a cost. So, you know, it could depend on you know does. Does she want to skip out of my family's Easter the next day? Maybe I could work that angle. But uh, now we, we kid, but we, uh, we enjoy the families and getting together Easter. And I'm saying that because everybody could be listening. I doubt they are, but you never know. So, uh, <laughs> so we, we, have, we go for Easter, but uh, it's not looking really good for the dive. Now, the following week, Bob's going to be out of town. He's shadowing you just by about a week down the Florida. He's going to be doing the keys. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's going to head down there and take a break. He's been doing a lot of uh, uh, hard work overtime and uh, a little reward. He's going to give himself a vacation. Kudos to Bob. Yeah. And uh, he's also said that uh, Kurt and I can use the boat if we want while he's gone. So I'm hoping Kurt takes him up on that. So... You know, even though I, I feel pretty comfortable with the boat, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know, give me a little bit more time in the boat. And, yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to borrow, <laughs> borrow his boat right away. I, I, I'll help Kurt out if he wants to go out, but I can't see myself, uh, <laughs> the keys, you know, right. Uh, someday, you know, it could maybe later this year, but right now I'm going to. You know, I'll, I'll be. Yeah, it's just, it seems a little, little too forward for me. Plus, there's plenty of other spots to dive, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, kind of a shout out to Mac, our dive mentor. He says he's been under the weather for the last. Uh, he couldn't dive with us last week uh, because his doctor said not to, and I think he's out of commission for this week. Hopefully, he gets healthy and can dive uh, next week. Right, I'm uh, I'm counting on uh, some dive buddies when I get back from vacation. So uh, yep. everybody stay healthy and well. Certainly. So that about does it for another week. Uh, and we just reached the hour mark, so not bad. You know, we're getting this down. So next week we're going to have a guest on the show. We'll have Jim doing a remote call in from topical locations. And it should be packed, so be prepared for a full episode. I just got a message here from a, a guy that uh, on uh, Scuba Board, and I'll read you uh, read you this. It's very interesting. In fact, uh, KB8LXC. Is there something I'm missing when I read that? Anyway, he uh, noticed my uh, profile picture on Scuba Board, and it's the the lighthouses. And uh, he says, is that where you are? I was born and raised in St. Joe. Um, so I went on to tell him, yep, that's where it was. And we could, uh, he could find some more pictures at our Mud Club website. I spent almost 20 years in the neighborhood of Glen Lord in Washington. And then I bought a house next to Roxy's on M139. Uh, anyway, it goes on. 
tell a little bit about the history. He was uh, a student at Wolf's, and uh, but then he moved down to Florida, and he's uh, going for his cavern certification this weekend. So, uh, all right, cavern cert, that's got to be pretty cool. Um, and I'm assuming you're moving into the cave after that. That is uh, neat. Yeah, I think that's cool. You ready for that time of the show? I'm ready for it. Okay, hold on. It's time for the bad scuba joke of the week. Uh, we've got two of them. One's kind of a little warm-up joke, and then uh, another one's the, the actual joke. So this this warm-up joke is, uh, how many people does it take to circumcise a whale? Oh, no. Um, whales are pretty big. It might take quite a few, but I don't know. Four skin divers. Uh, okay. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Not quite a full joke. wasn't long enough for a full joke. We didn't count it, so that's just that's just a prime. It's kind of like the appetizer, so you get kind of the flavor going. You know, you know maybe we need something to cleanse the palate, but here we go. For yeah, we one. would. We would. Listerine <laughs> or something. So oh. here's this one, uh, and this is, this is in honor of uh, the trouble I'm anticipating getting in, so I'll just do the joke now. Uh, Bill and Harry had been dive buddies since college. Almost every weekend they went diving, summer, winter, dry shoot, or shorty. On one rare occasion, Bill invited Harry to his home for dinner. Bill was married. Harry was not. During dinner, Harry noticed that every time Bill spoke to his wife, he used loving terms. Honey, my love, darling, sweetheart, pumpkin, and so on. It was when Bill's wife was clearing away the dishes and carried them to the kitchen that Harry remarked, That's really nice. After all these years you've been married, you still Keep calling your wife by all those pet names. Bill looked around quickly and whispered, To tell you the truth, Harry, I forgot her name years ago. And you can visit me in the doghouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that'd be bad. <laughs> so We need uh, some sound effects for a big sigh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Uh, so until next time, go out there and get wet. And dive safe. Take care. And we'll go ahead and hit stop. And cover. Yeah, I'm finding some that I can't tell.